You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 101 called EdTech that promotes student creativity. In this episode, Geis and I will share some new tools and some old favorites that can help to promote student creativity in your classroom. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. Yeah, so I really love these episodes that we do on creativity. It allows us to get creative in exploring some of these ed tech tools, but it also allows students to get creative if teachers incorporate these ed tech tools into their classroom. And I could tell you this, you know, we just got done with the 12 days of ed tech. There's a lot of creative tools and solutions and strategies within those videos. So make sure that you go over to our YouTube channel or go over to our Twitter at we got Teched, and you'll be able to see the hashtag 12 days of EdTech videos there and uh, check those out. Yeah, I think the whole the whole series came out really good. We were trying to, if you haven't listened to the last episode or last couple, we were trying to put together something as sort of like a celebration for 100 episodes, really, and, and just do something a little over the top. And there's a couple ways we did that, both in the episode and out. And this 12 Days of EdTech was our outside of the episode celebration. So I think it came out great. And it's sort of part of one of our goals here going into the new year to get back on that YouTube channel and start sharing some more stuff there, video content-wise. And I think the 12 Days of EdTech was a good kickoff to that. Uh, My favorite one that I did was the uh, five ways to make your Canva images pop, Uh, because we've been using Canva a lot for this uh, class that we're teaching on podcasting and having the the students use that to help promote their podcast and, and their brand, really, that they're building. And we've learned a lot, and we wanted to share that. And I think that one came out really nice. So. Yeah, I would agree. I actually enjoyed watching that one because you were the one who did it. And any help that I could get on Canva, I really enjoy. And I'm really enjoying Canva because it makes me seem competent in the whole infographic world. And if it makes me feel confident in the whole infographic world, it's going to make everyone else feel like they have a superpower. So that's pretty awesome. My favorite one was probably the uh, live leaderboard video, how to make a live leaderboard through Flippity and using Google Sheets. I think that's an amazing tool and the students love it. So those are two videos you definitely want to check out, but go back and check out all of them when you have time. They're very, very short videos, three to five minutes long max, and uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. So I'm really glad that we did it. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. And with that, let's kick off the main segment here where we want to talk about some tools, some EdTech tools that will promote student creativity. Like Geis mentioned at the beginning, all of these things can be used by teachers to help with your own creativity and to, I don't know, everything from printing off a new classroom poster that you haven't been able to find anywhere else. Maybe you can make it to creating, you know, content 
video content for your instructional, uh, whatever you teach, right? And posting that online for your students. Uh, but the main goal here is stuff for, for your class to use, for your students to use as they work on class projects and build their own creativity. So that was the main sort of goal behind this list. All right, so the first thing that we want to do is we just want to kind of just announce four of them because we go over them a lot. And that is Adobe Spark Video, WeVideo. Uh, those are both two good uh, video platforms. And VisMe and Canva, those are two infographic template services. Uh, one thing about Canva is you could go over there and, and that is uh, free for education, which is pretty awesome. So definitely check out those four. If you want to know more about them, uh, go back to our last four episodes and you'll be able to find those, uh, those four tools in those episodes. Yeah, when we like you said, we talk about them all the time, and they they're just too good not to mention. But we definitely did not want to focus on those, and instead share uh, some newer things, or maybe not new, but different things that we don't constantly sort of go to. And maybe I'll start off that list with one of my uh, favorite tools. Has been for a while, and I have mentioned this on the show. I just don't do it all the time, uh, but I'm going to bring it up today because I think it fits. It's actually an app, so this is going to be something your students will download on their phones. And the app is called Stop Motion Studio. Uh, I have it on an iPhone, but I know there's versions for whatever uh, phone you have, whatever operating system you have on your phone, and it's really great. Um, there's a, a blue one and a purple one. The blue one is free. The purple one you got to pay for, so you want to go with the free one, and it's got, it's got whatever tool you would want on there. But Stop Motion Studios is really, really great, and it makes this thing creating a stop motion video that is very, very time consuming and very challenging, makes it really, really, really super easy to do, um, which is the benefit. So if you've got the app up, it takes almost no training. Your students can get into this really with just a maybe a couple minutes of instruction from you. Um, really, they just have to have a plan. So how are they going to make their stop motion video, whether it's maybe little paper cutouts that they move in small increments and take a photo each time. Maybe it's, you know, little clay figurines that they've built or Lego people or any kind of action figure. Uh, I've even had kids do it with a whiteboard where they kind of redraw an image each time in a different position. But the point is, and what the app does really great is it lets you take a photograph every time you make some incremental movement and it automatically strings those photographs together into a video. And it, and it really does an awesome job at capturing that stop motion look, right? Um, you know, for class, you're gonna, the videos your students will be making will be hopefully relatively short. I usually cap it at like five minutes because otherwise it, it just, we're anything longer than that and you're talking about way too many pictures to be reasonable and the products come out really great and the kids get into it because this is not something that they typically do. I'm a chemistry teacher and I have my students make stop motion videos to sort of model a scientific process really great for that and it, it works super well and they learn a lot in the process plus it just is a cool sort of a different thing uh, there are some editing tools in stop motion studio that they can get into like adding music and cutting things out i usually don't even get into any of that i just tell tell the kids let the let the app put every you know string all these pictures together and they can export it. And then if they have any editing that they have to do, we try to use one of our external editing tools like WeVideo or something that the school pays for just because they're familiar with it and it's a little bit faster. But they don't even need that. I mean, they can just export it as is often and, and the product is quality enough that they can be happy with it and turn it in. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Stop motion is a student favorite. They they love making these little videos and they love watching them as well and they get very creative with it. So I would definitely recommend that one as well. Uh, let's go into my next one, which is Flippity Randomizer. All right, this is part of the big flippity.net website, which you could go there and find all these gamification elements and tools like the randomizer and like the uh, leaderboard that I did for the 12 days of EdTech. So with Flippity Randomizer, what you do is you pick up uh, four different categories is what I used. And within those categories, you come up with different words. So if you think of a story, you have character development, you have a conflict, you have a climax and a conflict resolution or whatever four categories you want to pick and then you pick words that go underneath them so if i was doing a character uh, maybe i do one called adam and that will be the first role i give a name or the first category i give a name the second category will be a little bit about him so character development so adam is a high school student trying to figure out if he wants to go to college uh, the third one is the conflict and we could just say girlfriend boyfriend, whatever it may be, all right? There's a conflict there. And then the last one is conflict resolution, or you could put even a topic or a place or something. You just wanna give them four pieces of information, goes through all those, and then the students get one word from each category and then they have to write about it. For me, this makes uh, a fun way for me to write. And I'm not a writer, I will always say that. I'm not a writer, but when it's creative, that's gonna bring me in. That's gonna tie students like me in that don't consider themselves writers, but they like to be creative. So that is Flippity Randomizer. Yeah, it's a really great one, and Flippity in general, um, it has so much, so many cool things like that that can you can use for just little tasks in the classroom that might take a, not a lot of time, but enough time where you're like, man, there should be a faster way. and you know, maybe it's a, a random name puller, right? Flippity might be that faster way to sort of save you these little little chunks of time. And I've noticed it scares some people off because it, you know, it's, it's linked with Google Sheets, a lot of the data that gets input to this, like your random name generator, you can upload those names in a Google Sheet and the spreadsheet tends to, I don't know, I've seen some teachers turn away from it as soon as they see that Google Sheets is a part of it. But a lot of these generators, you don't have to use Google Sheets to do it. They have a quick and easy way where you can type things straight into the website. So if that was scaring you off of Flippity, maybe you didn't know that about Flippity, but when you go there for the first time that you know that that will scare you off, don't let it because there's lots of great ways you can get this data into their randomizer tools or, or their leaderboards or whatever and, uh, and use them. So that's a really awesome one. And so is the next one I want to talk about. It's called Prezi Video. If you're like me, you kind of forgot about Prezi. Um, I was using this in college even just to, you know, as a quick place to go and get engaging presentations that sort of animate a step beyond what your typical PowerPoint and now your typical Google Slides will do. Well, Prezi did not go away, even though I stopped paying attention to it. Maybe you guys kept using it. I'm not sure, but it's still there. And they've been innovating this whole time, apparently, because they now have a section of the tool of the website called Prezi Video. And it looks really great. So if you can imagine taking, I don't know, say some Google slide that you've got with a picture and some text boxes typed in there. With Prezi Video, it turns on your webcam and inserts you and that webcam feed as the background 
to those slides. And it makes like this interactive video where you are part of the presentation itself, uh, either as, you know, your webcam as the background. So the words and the pictures are sort of on top of you and you can move around them and interact with them and point to them. Um, you can sort of change how your webcam feed interacts with those components. If you don't want to be the background of the slide, you don't have to be. Um, the video that it's creating can just be you and your webcam feed and then almost like a small pop out of the slide uh, can be in like the bottom right hand corner of the video. So you're just looking at the slide itself and you can change, you know, which format you're using as you record. So it's based on which part of the video you're in and what you need it to be. You can adjust that. Uh, they even integrate this with like, I think this is what it was built for is, uh, you know, like Zoom or WebEx meetings. That can be your, your Zoom video now is this Prezi video integration where your slide is integrated with your webcam feed via the Zoom meeting or WebEx or Google Meet. I'm not sure if they use Google Meet, but um, that's kind of what it's built off of. For me, it just looks like a really great way to have my kids make a different type of video that goes beyond, you know, screencasts are great, but a lot of students are making lots of screencasts and this is a way to change it up and make it a little bit different and capture some of that interest back so i'm a huge fan of prezi video yeah i i remember prezi having some of the awesome transitions uh, back in the day and i believe that's that's quality that has lasted this whole time uh, but the the video piece i mean this this is a, a great step especially if we have to go back into some type of a remote teaching setting I, th I think this is going to be an awesome tool to definitely look out for and to keep an eye on if our situation changes and i think uh, you did a great job pointing that one back out i'm going to go into my next one which is glogster and this is another one that I worked with in the past, but I'm bringing it back now just because it's gotten a lot better. And I didn't leave it because it wasn't a quality tool. I just left it because my situation changed and uh, I still promoted it with our teachers. But now it looks like they're doing a lot more with multimedia, especially within the realm of posters. Uh, I kind of remember Glogster's a place where students can kind of blog their ideas into a poster form. But now we're get adding multimedia, which is adding the video to the posters. And now they're working with 3D and some AR, VR stuff as well. And I think it's just taking it to the next level. There is a mobile app. There's a content library. Uh, so basically how Glogster works is you tell your story in the classroom, uh, you share this experience onto Glockster's platform. Uh, you can take notes uh, in your lectures, share those types of things. You could present a project in your meetings, and you could share the game from the stadium. So you can take your iPad somewhere, record it, and it's going to go right to your poster, which is kind of cool. So there are tons of uses. There's tons of ways of adding graphics to it. You could combine images graphics, audio, video, and text on one digital canvas. So I, I don't know. I, I just think this kind of brings in ThingLink, a field to ThingLink, brings in all our infographics, and really it puts everything on one spot. So if you're working on one uh, resource area or some type of curation of resources and you put it onto a 
a glog is what they call it. I think that would be an awesome way to push out these resources to students. So I see a little bit of the Wakelet aspect too, but with Wakelet, you kind of have a list. It's not looking as interactive and, and cool as what Glogster does. Yeah, that's a good way to, to, to describe it. Uh, Glogster is like all those tools sort of in one. And I don't know if that's what's, I think that's probably what's so great about it. And this is another one that I forgot about that I remember from my very first year teaching. There's a, a sort of a group of history teachers that were doing digital posters via Glogster. I thought it was cool, kind of forgot about it, and they're also still out there, you know, doing it and, and making things better and, and making it so it's still appealing to kids a decade later. So I love it. And that maybe that's a theme of this episode is old tools that are coming back with some new stuff. Uh, next up, I'm going to actually throw out two because one of them, it probably should have been part of the original four things that we've mentioned a lot. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, and that is Chrome Music Lab. It's just one of my favorite things out there, and if you're doing a creativity episode, I think it has to be mentioned. I describe it as apps, web-based apps, so you don't have to download anything. But you go to Chrome Music Lab, and it's a bunch of apps where you know you can just kind of play around with how music and, and art and sound kind of blend together. They have really cool things that kids can just play with. That's, I almost see that as the point of it, and it, it would be a great introduction to some type of a lesson, maybe a hook for kids. They can just play around with it. So there's, you know, as simple as a song generator. So they can add in beats and different instruments and make a song, export it, and use that for something in class. Um, but they have other things like, like a sound wave visualizer, so they can play different instrument sounds or animal noises, and it creates the sound waves on the screen in sort of a, a cool 3D pattern. They can turn on their mic and they can talk, make their voice really high, make it really low and see the different sound waves for that. If you're working at a deeper, more science level, you can tie that in too. They have something, an app called Oscillators where there's little shapes that you can drag, uh, drag around like little cartoon characters and you know, based on the frequency that you set, you can hear the different sounds that these characters make. It's almost like they're screaming, uh, which sounds weird, but it's like a funny cartoony kind of a, a shout, I guess. And, and kids usually crack up laughing because it's fun and they're learning about frequency and what that means. From the chemistry side, that shows you how sound waves travel through particles. You can record your voice and play it fast, slow, and reverse. There's just so many cool things. And I, I want to really, if I had, you know, if I had all the time in the world, I would probably devote lots of effort into creating lessons around Chrome Music Lab. I just can't do it because I don't have the time to do it, but I would love to because I think it's a, a really neat sort of an untapped resource and not just for music teachers, I think for all teachers. So that's a great one. Uh, really what I want to talk about, this is my second one, is called Tiki Taki, T-I-K-I-T-O-K-I. And this is my tool of the show because I didn't know about it and I don't know how I didn't know about it because it's just that awesome. Uh, Tiki Taki is a online timeline maker, uh, but it's like the timeline maker of the 21st century because they're digital, and I don't mean digital in just like a digital poster where there's an image of the timeline. I mean like 3D interactive timelines that you can build and then engage with as you, you know, they're clickable. So you can click different tabs of the timeline. You can scroll slide left and slide right as the timeline extends you can tie in you know animated backgrounds that are super engaging 
Uh, it's like a professional timeline creator. Businesses actually use this if they need timelines for their websites. Uh, the 3D one is cool. Instead of envisioning the timeline left to right, it's almost like you're, you're moving forward and backward in this 3D space of the timeline. There's still a little, um, like a little left-right timeline at the very bottom, but as you navigate on that, in the main part of the timeline screen, it slides you forward and backwards, and you can see different images sort of go flying by you. It's really, really engaging, and I just think this is awesome. You know, you know if, if I was a history teacher where this is a little bit more applicable, I'd be using this for sure. Uh, I, I, even in chemistry, I do a timeline project where students look at you know, the history of the development of atomic models. And this is just awesome. What a great way to do it. And they have a, a free account too, which is really cool. There are premium accounts, of course, that give you a little bit more stuff, but the free account always catches my eye. Tiki Taki, that's Nick's tool of the show. Check it out, everybody. I love this one. Yeah, so just so everyone knows, Nick always plays Chrome Music Lab all the time is that what it's called chrome music yeah lab? chrome music lab you got it all right so he plays this all the time i bet he plays it at home too but i, I catch do. him in his office <laughs> messing around with it so i think one day there will be a lesson somewhere nick johnson will make a lesson it's coming chrome music lab it's coming uh as far as uh tiki talkie i i i like that that sounds really really cool and i think it's a good segue into my next um, selection which is Z maps so he has the timeline thing covered well I'm gonna cover the interactive maps now Z maps that's Z E E maps dot com allows you to create and publish interactive maps so you can use these maps for analysis presentations uh, there's unlimited markers per map so picture the world if we're looking at the COVID statistics for the world we can input from a Google spreadsheet, all the data, or Excel, all the data, or CSV, all the COVID data. And what that's gonna do is make the map interactive. So if we just take the United States and we see that, you know, I don't know which one it is, but I'm guessing it's not Alaska, it's the most uh, COVID uh, impacted state, or the number with the most cases, you could go there and it would be one certain color versus uh, New York being another color. I'm guessing that has a lot more than Alaska. Probably. But what I'm saying here is it's very easy. The interaction of the map comes from your data that you send to this uh, program. So you'll be able to see uh, which states off, like on the bat, off the bat, uh, has the higher cases and it, it's going to change the colors a little bit think of it as a heat map almost so the more cases the darker uh, red color so i think this is pretty cool you do not need to sign up for this which i really like uh, there's customizable customizable icons um, you could do any type of uh, custom field so add a searchable custom field for the map en entries you can color the different regions uh, there are map images that you can bring in in PDF and PNG uh, files. You could add multimedia, photo, and audio uh, to your markers. Once again, this is kind of reminding me of the thing link or hyperlinking stuff. Uh, it's mobile friendly. I already said that the heat maps are there. You could do a trip planner. So for this one, 
say that you are planning a 5K and you want to show the map of or the route of the run. Uh, you could do that in this platform as well. So there's several different uses. I could see this just being an awesome tool in history courses or maybe wellness and phys ed courses, uh, science courses, things like that. I could see it fitting across all the platforms. So check out Z Maps. Yeah, I'm I'm getting my creativity going here just listening to all these neat things like Tiki Taki and Z Maps. There's so much engaging stuff that's coming out. And I'm really excited for where all this is going to go. I think we're seeing just the start of it. Um, let me do my last, maybe my last two selections here at once, and I'll let you wrap it up after that. But these two are unrelated. The first one is kind of unrelated to this whole show, and I'll, I'll say afterwards why I'm choosing it. It's called Teampedia. Uh, Teampedia is a wiki page that is an online sort of collaborative space that compiles free team building activities. So icebreakers, teamwork resources, tools to kind of get kids talking to each other. Uh, that's a really important part of building a classroom. And I think it's a really important part of a creative space, right? If you if you want students to really be creative in your classroom, you can't just say, okay, today you're making a poster. You have to give them tools. You have to give them the ed tech tool you want them to use to make it you know, as powerful as, as possible. You have to give them maybe exemplars so they know what a good one looks like. You have to give them skills. Like if you're drawing a cartoon, maybe they don't all know how to do that. So you gotta maybe show them a little bit or give them a little tutorial or at least provide an option for kids that can't make a good cartoon because not everybody can. Well, I think one of those things that you need to provide is just comfortability in a creative space making sure it's clear that your classroom is the type where you you can be creative. I get this a lot because kids don't expect that in a chemistry class. So, if, you know, if we go to do a stop motion video project, they don't always f know or feel like they can kind of get weird with it and, and push the boundaries and think outside the box. And those are the types of things I always get excited about. Uh, so I always make sure that, you know, the students have some of these team building experiences to, you know, to be comfortable and to know each other and, and to feel safe in that space. So, so that's why I picked Teampedia. And I think it could be very helpful, even if it, you just need something different for the start of your school year, or maybe, you know, we're coming up on the halfway point of the year. If you're listening to this episode in real time, maybe you're starting, you know, a, a new course with a new group of students at that halfway point and you want it, you want something like this. So Teampedia, check it out. Uh, link, of course, in the show notes. And then my last one is called Wixie. Uh, Wixie does not have to do with Wix, the website creator. So if you think that's what I'm going to talk about, it is different and unrelated to that. Wixie, W-I-X-I-E. Uh, Wixie is one tool, a one-stop shop type tool that has all types of things in terms of student content creation. So it's sort of built around this idea of students creating things, students being the content creator, something we care about a lot on the show, and then giving them also a safe place to amplify that voice. Um, it's really great for collaboration too. So if you have students working in groups, maybe from separate places, who knows? It has real-time collaboration. So I can be on my computer in New Jersey and my partner could be on their computer in Pennsylvania and we can work together simultaneously to make tons of different types of learning artifacts all within Wixie.com, and that's the cool part about it. So, you know, video, it's got it. Websites, 
got it. Images, got it. Ebooks, some something that I think we need to be doing a lot more of creating ebooks. They've got that too. Wixie just has all all kinds of these things. It's even got a PDF creator, which is sort of a cool thing that doesn't come up a lot. Um, but I, I think it's great for you know these one-stop shop type tools. They can be tough because there's often a lot to learn, and they can be a little bit overwhelming for both teachers and students. But Wixie is not like that at all. It's it's oddly simple considering how much it can do, and that's why I like it and why I want to share it. I also like that it has this you know sort of built-in built-in shareability where the kids know that they're what what they are creating is going to be out there. It's going to be shared with the world. It doesn't just go get turned into the teacher and then die and just sit there or get thrown away. In theory, it could live on forever in this internet space. So those are my last two, Teampedia and Wixie, and I'll kick it back over to Geist to take us home. Now, even though that you said that Wixie isn't really a creation tool, or Teampedia, I'm sorry, Teampedia isn't a creation tool, I would argue that that is a good foundation for creation. Right for creativity. So I, I really enjoy that one. And Wixie is, sounds awesome as well. And I think those are two solid tools that I never heard about. I thought I heard about Wixie, but what I'm thinking is the website. Right. So, and it's not the website. So good work on those two gems. Uh, the last one that we're gonna go over is Fan School. It's formerly Kid Blog. So with fan school, you can safely publish student work. Teachers can monitor all the activity within a community of students. Posts can even be public. But what I really like about this is this is one of these tools that promotes safe space. And it promotes teaching students uh, how to be good digital citizens. So you could have them practice uh, blogging or you could have them practice writing or maybe even tweeting or or Instagram or whatever they think's popular at the time, you could have them do a mock-up of that and turn it in, and the teacher can help them with being digitally good citizens. And I think that's important. It's a place where they can fail in a safe space, uh, especially with that. So I really like Fan School's uh, interaction on Twitter right now. I, I see them come up a lot, and they're contributing to a lot of people's tweets. They're asking a lot of great questions where teachers are going there and responding to them, which is awesome. But this whole platform really empowers students to publish with a meaningful purpose. And I think that is something that we've been going over the last 10, 12, 15 episodes is having students publish something, take the chance to publish something meaningful and get it out there to a real audience so other people can learn and interact with that content. And, and what this does is allows us to connect with teachers and students and organizations and you know classes down the hallway or different high schools within the same district. It allows that community to be built and that interaction to happen. And I think that's important in learning. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, Wixie had a similar aspect to it, and that's where you get so much buy-in for kids. I mean, think about how popular social media is today. This is why, because they want people to see what they're making. And, you know, why do why does someone want to be a YouTube personality? Because lots of people are looking at what they're creating and, and enjoying it, and, and you can sort of mimic that process with some of these tools like Fan School, 
like Wixi, where the kids know that their stuff is getting posted and shared, uh, even if it's in a you know an academic space. They at least know some people are looking at it, which is great. And I also think that that wraps it up for this list. This was a really great list of stuff. I'm excited about so many of these tools, and a lot of them I think we're going to be bringing back uh, over the course of the next year because there's some really, really great ones here. So before we get in our closing, I just want to give a shout-out to Mom Pololik, M-O-M-P-O-L-O-I-K. Left us an Apple review and on Apple Podcasts, and we appreciate that a lot. It says that I am an EdTech podcast junkie, and it doesn't get better than gut tech. They hone in on the best tools for the classroom, so you don't have time. So you don't have to do the legwork, and that's really what our podcast is all about. We're hoping to give you some tools, some ways to use these tools, and to make your job easier. Because we know that teachers are being pulled and stretched in so many different directions. So if we could help out at all, that is our our motto we're here to serve and that's awesome and that leads us into the end of the episode where it kind of ties in with our social media if you have a question or some type of function that you're hoping to get out of an ed tech tool Please reach out to us on Twitter. Nick is at Nick Got Teched. I'm at Geist Got Teched. And the podcast is at We Got Teched. And we'll make sure to get back to you. Make sure that you follow and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And go check out our YouTube channel. We're adding more and more tutorials, uh, EdTech Tool Spotlight features, Tech Tools Tips and Tricks of the Day and our most recent, The 12 Days of EdTech. Make sure that you go out and tell your friends about the podcast. Any teacher out there that you think would benefit, we'd, we'd really appreciate you mentioning the Got Tech to the Podcast to them uh, so we can grow together and hopefully get a community that supports one another. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.